Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas, and welcome to Urban Health Weekly, where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. So I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How have you been? Happy New Year. Good. How about you guys? Oh, my gosh. I've missed you guys. I'm fine. I've missed you guys, too. It's been so long. We had quite a long break. And so much has happened in the interim. I, I mean, we can't cover it all because we'll be here all day. So let's jump in. So I recently had a birthday. Uh, hold on. Yes. Hold yeah, on a second. That's, oh, that's good stuff. Somebody somebody didn't uh, extend his greetings. Well, I, I haven't signed my contract yet. So. You know, I'm holding out for more money. It's a new it's, year. Can all we right, just, all right, all right. No jokes. Please. This year I will be serious and all that. I, I doubt that. But can all you right, just but tell like, us about your birthdays. No, but just say hello. Say hello. Oh, We've hello. never heard from you in like forever. Hello, everybody. I'm still here. You sound good. All right. Kept my job. So anyway, <laughs> why he insists on going down this thread, but whatever. So recently I had a birthday and I wanted to do like an entire day spa and treat myself, you know. <gasps> you did? Um, I said I wanted to. Oh. But with this new cracking strain of the virus, and I was like, ah, maybe not. And then I thought, okay, I'll just do a facial and a mani-pedi to make myself feel better. Because I understand I haven't done anything like that since my birthday in 2020. Wow. I haven't been, I haven't set foot inside a nail salon. I haven't set foot inside. Uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> and then um, I read that UV nail polish dryers can lead to cancer causing cell mutations. Did you read that one? I did read that article. And, you know, I always thought that they looked like tanning beds to me. Well, they are little mini tanning beds. You know, it's funny. At one point, they had these little gloves that you could put on your hands. I remember they sold them online. These little fingerless gloves that you use to put your hand in so that your hand is protected. And it only exposes the tips of your fingers. And I never bought it because I was like, I don't really do this enough to warrant buying the gloves. But, you know, I, I, wish, I, I wish I did. Because research has found that one, just one 20-minute session of exposure. Oh, my gosh. Resulted in 20 to 30% cell death. Cell mm. death! While oh three God. consecutive 20-minute sessions, I don't know what, what they mean by consecutive. I don't know if it's every week, every other week. I'm not sure what the, the duration is. But that exposure resulted in 65 to 70% cell death. Holy moly. 
Wow. Wow. Oh, maybe that's why the tops of my hands look so ancient. <laughs> Do you get gel manicures regularly? I used to. I haven't in quite a while because when I started working in the hospital, they that particular hospital didn't want anybody to have any kind of uh, gel on their nails if they worked in with neonates. So of any kind. So we just didn't wear them. I stopped wearing them back then. And uh, that was the end of that. So I haven't had it since. But I did used to put my hand in that. And I used to even put sunblock on my hands thinking, boy, this resembles like you know, it's funny, it's I, like, I, I never put my fingers in completely. I'd always put it on the tips and they'd always be like, what are you doing? Put your hand in. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And I just put like yeah. my tips in and it'll <laughs> longer because I never, anyway, after reading this, I'm so relieved that I stopped doing the gel um, oh. because, oh my God, when I think about what I was doing to my, my fingers and my hands. So I guess those are different than like the sun box that's like you know they have these certain sun boxes that are for um mood altering not mood altering but it's supposed to give you they're supposed to be different they're not supposed to be like tanning boosts they're, they're supposed to not have uv so i guess it's different than that huh it's not it's its own thing this is specifically uv baby uv is uv is uv oh because it needs it for the gel to cure yes exactly oh yeah, and now um, they have a lot of lights uh, that are mood altering, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It, you know, and I found out about this accidentally uh, doing research on a fish tank and uh, <laughs> research on getting light. Yeah, that, he's a huge fish aficionado. Aficionado. Oh, you are? Oh, that is a quite yeah. a hobby. Yeah. Are you saltwater or freshwater? Uh, fresh, fresh. Salt is too difficult. Uh, salt is so difficult and expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was just trying to figure out how not to have algae grow. And then I started reading all the threads that it's not difficult anymore because they have light that's specially formulated not to let the algae grow. And then I started going on that thread. And then I found out that they have these light boxes and and different lights for the home and all that that actually alter your mood uh, and stimulate sunlight and stimulate seasons. And they were talking about it in the context of people working from home that are not getting enough sunlight and what that's doing to people's mental health uh that they just you know sit in a dark room all day doing zoom so don't you think then that people should maybe just go out i mean just go out i i think they i think they should go back to work but you know yeah, maybe, <laughs> that's not really outdoors i mean yeah you know the difference between here and there and usually office buildings all have big windows you, you know yeah but but you know what studies have shown that having a window blunts whatever effect you have to have direct sunlight you can't have oh yeah you they do really kind of want you to be outdoors that's why all those like nordic countries they always you know you're always going outdoors that's like a thing even even if it's gray out healthiest happiest people in the world yeah on to medical news of the week so um one big thing that did happen um we can only cover one one uh famous person at a time i had to choose between steven twitch boss and uh what's that football player's name the one who got uh hit in the chest oh, and his heart stopped and he died for like a couple of minutes oh from the yes. Buffaloes. Anyway, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's from the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Well, the young man from the, the Buffaloes. Mm -hmm. uh, Buffalo Bills. The, the, the Buffalo Bills. That's right. 
so I decided to go with Stephen Twitch Boss's death. Okay. So anyway, Stephen Twitch Boss's death sparks conversation on suicide prevention for men of color. The suicide rate among men in 2020 was four times higher than among women. White and native and indigenous peoples have the highest rates of suicide in the U.S., according to the most recent data available from the CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Between 2018 and 2020, the adjusted suicide rates for Black and Hispanic peoples in the U.S. have increased, prompting mental health experts and community groups to double down on providing help to these historically underserved communities. Okay, so... Since the pandemic, there's been a push, in my opinion, to make mental health more accessible. Well, it's not my opinion. There, there has been a push to make mental health more accessible and less stigmatizing so that more people are getting help, which I think is good. But I think that some people are good at hiding their grief and the average person has no idea what signs to look for. So we really have to let ourselves off the hook. You know, it's like the man wanted to go, you know, and maybe the person could have been saved, but sometimes people just don't want to be saved. And I know that's controversial to say, but I don't know. By the way, I thought it was interesting that the article focused on underserved communities. Uh, Stephen Boss had resources, you know? Uh, I don't. Why are uh, being Black or being a person of color somehow equated with being underserved? How did they make that stretch? I mean, there are tons of people that are, you know, in need of, of mental health. So I don't know. But do you I, think anyway. they're saying um, that uh, there's more of a stigma in reaching out for help or they just use it as like a jumping off point for being like, oh, and by the way, people of color are underserved. Is that what? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. I, I don't okay. know how how Stephen Twitch boss became the the, you know, the patron saint of underserved yeah, I think um, it was generality. I think it was a generality that you know, if we poke well, uh, poke our, uh, a stick into it, that generality goes poof. However, I do firmly believe that underserved the young men, the Power Rangers who used to be on the Power, they they committed suicide. No one's creating you know yeah. outreach for their communities. No one's yeah. saying, "Well, these guys died, and we've got to reach out to Lady Nature." I mean, to me, underserved equals equals people that are economically underserved regardless of color or anything hmm. thoughts jackie uh i vaguely remember an article not too long ago but i might be wrong uh that something along the lines of um the people of color the population of suicide is proportionally higher like it's moved up while overall rates have stabilized that are, does, any, does that ring a bell to anybody? I vaguely remember that. Well, I think we're a small population to begin with. So anytime you have a move. I think there was a change in the percentage, like those rates have gone up percentage wise in comparison to other groups. I vaguely I remember that. There's been the awareness of this, of this mental health. I think, I think people of color have always been in distress. I don't know that people of color are now more in distress than previously we've always oh, I don't know, but it's possible that it's not just stress related that you know that there's other things going on too oh, you know? well so there's different things that you have to think about and you have to worry about and you have to stress about when you are a person of color there are there are more things to worry about when you um are a person of color that i think other races don't necessarily 
think about or have to think about. They have the luxury of not having to think about. Mm -hmm. So I'm just putting okay. out there that I think there's always been these stressors um, and this, uh, this, this mental health um, distress. So when I say and when I say stress, I'm, I mean stressors and distress. I'm just using like that whole term. I think there's always been a mental health pressure on people of color that's always kind of been there. I think it's just becoming. Um, I think it's be since it's it's coming more into focus. I think okay. Also, you know, has um, intensified that. You know, uh, more people can speak out about these things. You have more celebrities coming forward and admitting that they have, which makes more people say, you know, ah, more dialogue. And so I think the problems have always been there. I think it's just more, it's kind of like, you know, with the police shootings. And again, this is not a knock on the people. This is just the example I'm thinking of. Black people have always been harassed and getting shot by the police. We just didn't. So it's like the rest of us are finally going, oh my God, right. now there's exactly. video. Oh my God, they were right. They were, yeah. Yeah, for decades, yeah. For we're decades. actually seeing it with our own eyes. Yeah, our own eyes, and it, and, and and that awareness. So that that changes the awareness. Yeah, yeah. We've always had these issues, is what I'm trying to right. say. Right. That's it. Does that make sense now? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think it's like you know all of a sudden we just have this jump in in mental health. Although I will say that I think schizophrenia and dementia and those you know. Um, related diseases i think there's definitely been a jump in that mm -hmm. but mental health I, I think has always been a thing so that that's all i'm gonna say about that yeah so, and also suicide statistics are a little iffy because many times the families do uh, don't report don't i'm report looking at this article way. from 2021 that's saying that there was an increase in in black youth of suicide rates proportionally but that's 2021 so yeah they're a little wonky on celebrities. Yeah. Because there's this overwhelming curiosity. And we always say like, Oh, well, Robert oh, yeah. Himself and, right. and we go through the whole thing, the whole, you know, what happened and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you're John Doe, regardless of race and, and you do that, a lot of times your family out of, you know, uh, and people out of respect, just say, undetermined causes or whatever and, and right because it's mm -hmm. just so shameful to admit you don't want them to be remembered that way yeah it, well it's a stigma but, it's yeah. like you mm -hmm. know this person that was part of my group you know decided to opt themselves rather than live also do you remember that movie with robin williams it was the greatest dad or something like that it was this movie it was one of his la one of his last movies where he was mm -hmm. his father and his son was a raging a-hole mm -hmm. and um he accidentally killed himself doing autoerotic asphyxia. Mm. And so he was so embarrassed that he found him that way that what he did was he put his clothes back on him and put the lotion away and all that. And just oh, that is a really awful story. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. All right. So speaking of death, death doulas. <laughs> share what drives them to help families navigate from the paperwork to the grief. As the more familiar birth doulas nurture families at the start of life, death doulas nurture at the end. Sorry, I just stuck a piece of chocolate in my mouth. They bring information, support, and peace to the dying. The role isn't new. Being a death doula has gone on since the beginning of time. 
National End of Life Doula Alliance President Ashley Johnson said. But as a profession, it's emerged in the last five years, surging especially with the pandemic. Oh yes, that was the other point that I was going to make with the pandemic because you said 2021, um, Jackie. Ah, yes. People face mortality, Johnson said. In 2019, the Alliance had about 350 members. Now it has over 1,300 with 30 to 40 membership inquiries per month. Death doulas provide a range of services. They may sit bedside vigil with a dying person the same way birth doulas help at delivery. They help people plan for their own deaths, both legal elements like choosing healthcare proxies and emotional elements like writing letters to those left behind or listing the people they don't want at the funeral. Death doulas navigate hospice, burial, organ donation, funerals, that entire world of complicated and often expensive services. Afterwards, doulas support the grief that friends may feel too awkward to address. I was going to get into the pay and certification, but just the fact that the profession exists is fascinating enough, don't you think? Yeah, and that's such an important role. My God, uh, you know, it. But just who, all the work involved. The thing is, do you feel like it would be hard by the dying person, or do you feel like this would be hard by the family of the dying person? Because I don't hired by the family, you would think. I think the family would. People don't want to see their their loved ones die. It's the person who's suffering who wants to end it. It's not the people who it's. Sorry, the family who wants yeah, to save you. You know, my my experience. Would uh, you have death doula for your for your family for your family well, member? You know, I, I'm I'm thinking of, of my uncle that recently had someone pass, and he hired a person. It's not he hired a death doula. It's not a death doula, but he basically it's essentially like a hospice worker, right? Who specializes. Yeah, this worker and he paid them extra to come in towards the end and do a lot of these. I things. think that's wonderful, I, including uh, you know, post that get you know, return the medical equipment, uh, get rid of stuff, things of that, because they couldn't bear to to do it. I mean, I, I was doing a lot of the stuff for him. Uh, also, it's so much, right? It's much more stuff than you can possibly imagine, right? It's a lot. It, it was. It, Helping him go through this was six months almost of my life. Oh, my gosh. You know, his partner's apartment. I would have to clear the stuff out. He wasn't even there I remember yet. that you, you had to sell the apartment. Yeah, you know, some of it I had to sell. Some of it I had to ship. Then they were dueling relatives, claiming they wanted the couch. Who's going to? Yeah, I went with you a couple of times to help pack up all of yeah, the there's, there's, there's packing up chachkas, then... There's alleged tchotchkes that you can't find or yeah. And that that's not even the stuff that like you have to get legal documentation for each and every time. Like, so, so that's all just that stuff, which is so overwhelming already. Checking accounts are easy. I mean, you, you know, you have two or four of them and they're there or they pop up and there's a lot of stuff. Two, three or four of them. That's rich people stuff. Of course, you know. Or or people who are just disorganized and don't know they have five cents in that account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got my burner account. I got my real. <laughs> For our triple yeah. lives. So, so I do have three of them. So well, uh, I'm not saying I'm rich, but, you know, it's just. I don't know. You know what? I'm negotiating. <laughs> She's always sticking it. I know, I know. But seriously, I'm jealous like they, 
could be a whole industry here. Well, it, uh, could be. it is a whole industry. But uh, I mean, in terms of I could see how like not being certified or they're not being, uh, you know, I could see how that might be a little problematic. You would like some kind of, you know, organization sort of vetting people. Right. right. And it was, you know, it's it goes to like go through this person's clothes, see what can be donated, see what needs to be trashed or all those things are time consuming. Yeah. And if it's somebody it, that's it very really dear is. to you, it's emotionally wrecking. It's bad enough to person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to be able to spend your last moments with them, not going through their suits and deciding which one can go to Goodwill and which one needs to go in yeah. the bag. When my mom was dying, um, I had to do all of it myself. I had to take care of her. And yeah. I had yeah. to, to, you know, to, to get all of her medical stuff taken care of. I had the proc, the, um, what is it called? Is it the, the not the health, is it called the health, not the health power of attorney, power of attorney, durable power of attorney. So, and we had to do it quickly because she started losing, you know, her ability to do everything. And wow. uh, yeah. And she, you know, she, I was like her like shield between like this barrage of doctors wanting to just like poke her to death. Uh, and then, you know, she died. Then I had to, I mean, I had to take care of it all myself. It was wow. It was really, That's a mountain. A mountain and a half. It was really gut wrenching. I had to go through all of the oh. things. I had to get in touch with Social Security. I had to go to to the office. They were so kind to me. Um, they let me keep her last month because like, it had just hit, and I was like, "Look, she died. You know, I'm here to give back the money." And they're like, "Look, it's hers. We paid it. Just keep it." And um, oh. so I had to get the death certificate. I had to go through all her things. Cause I mean, you know, an entire apartment full of things. And you know, what was one of the sad things she had so much stuff that she just never wore because she was always oh. like, oh, as soon as I get my hair done, I'll wear this. As soon as I get my face done, I'll wear this. And so she had all of this brand new makeup and brand new clothes that she never oh. Yeah. Oh, that just broke my heart that she just spent this life of waiting and, and then she just died. Oh, so oh. a death doula would have probably been helpful for me, but you know, people go through it all the time. I, you know, I survived it. Um, but I wish I knew something like it would have been nice to have somebody help me through it at the time because it was really, it really gutted me. So and it I does really have to be somebody on the premises with you because it's an extra set of hands, right? Yes. Yes. I could have used an extra set of hands, I think is what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. But I don't know if I would hire one for me. I don't know. Um, mm. That's, you know, would you hire one for you, Jackie? I, I think, I, I think, um, well, I got a bunch of siblings. I think I would, I would hire one, especially one that specializes, you know, because sometimes when there's a lot of people, uh, you know, one person is on point, you know, and you can defer to them if they have experience with this, you know, that I, I would, if I, you know, I don't know what that costs. Yeah. I would, I would like to hire one, but I would not want one hired on my behalf where somebody else's ah. instructions, because then it would be like a little creepy, like, Hey, where's my shit? Leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you would feel like the person's putting you in the ground? Yeah, it's would like, hey, that's denial? my book. Can you wait until I'm dead, please? You know, that, that's how it Men so defiant when it comes to death. Now, now you doomed the franchise for a decade because you moved it. You know. 
Well, if I'm frail, maybe I would hire somebody. Like if I'm frail and I just can't, like mentally I know what to do, but if I'm too frail to do all the running around on myself, I'd probably, maybe I'd hire a death doula. It depends on what condition I'm in. All right, let's continue with our death theme after we take a short break. And we're back. And so we're continuing our death theme for today. <laughs> now, how unfortunate. Popular dietary supplement causes cancer risk and brain metastasis. New research from the University of Missouri has found NR could actually increase the risk of serious diseases, including developing cancer. NR is nicotinamide riboside, which is a form of vitamin B3. And it's used a lot in the wellness community for um, you know, cardiovascular and neurological health and me metabolism and such. The international team of researchers at MU discovered that high levels of NR could not only increase women's risk, I'm sorry, someone's risk of developing triple negative breast cancer, but could also cause the cancer to metastasize or spread to the brain. Once the cancer reaches the brain, the results are deadly because no viable treatment options exist. Since NR is a known supplement for helping increase levels of cellular energy, and cancer cells feed off of that energy with their increased metabolism, Elena Goon, associate professor of chemistry at MU and study lead, wanted to investigate NR's role in the development and spread of cancer. Our work is especially important given the wide commercial availability and a large number of ongoing human clinical trials where NR is used to mitigate the side effects of cancer therapy in patients. Oh. Now, is NR B3 or? It's B3, yeah. Mm. It's a form of B3. So it's not like B3, it's like maybe B3. So if you're taking like those B complexes, are you getting NR in there? NR is completely... Was I wouldn't say completely different. It's like a, it's like a stripped down. You know how like you can eat strawberries or you can take, um, what's the stuff that are in the berries that the 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 phytochemicals? It's like you phytonutrients. Can, yes, the phytonutrients. Thank you. Okay. So like it's it's kind of the same thing. Like you can take a B complex or a B three, or you can get right to the nitty gritty and take nicotinamide riboside. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like kind of like jacked up B3. Um, I would just stick to like a B complex, but that's just me. Um, a person taking supplements regularly is always going to assume that their cancer risk is low and probably not get screened as much, or if they don't have a genetic predisposition or known family history. They're still in the dark. So like, what do you do? You know, I don't think it's enough to say, don't take NR, right? I say take a B complex because B3 is, is good for you, but maybe not take this particular supplement alone. But also more women should just get genetic testing for breast cancer, you know, just get the testing. I don't understand why insurance doesn't just pay for genetic I was going to ask you, does insurance cover genetic testing for that breast cancer? You have a family history. Aha. Ah, I think we've touched this topic before and it bears repeating. Yeah. If you have a family history, it needs to be covered. But... Well, only cover it if you have a family history or if you have breast cancer. Okay. So you either need to know, you either need to have had breast cancer in your family or you have to have breast cancer. That's the only way they'll pay for genetic testing. Okay. But if you find out and plan and prevent in advance, no. 
not without a family history. I mean, the only reason I mine was covered is because my mother died of metastatic breast cancer and my grandfather died of, of prostate cancer. So it's like ding 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 ding, you know. Okay. But I but that said, I think insurance should should off the bat pay for it because they would save so much more money if they in the long it. run and then did the prevention than actually paying for the cure, which is way more expensive. And after five years, the person may or may not live. But it just, it's just smarter sense, you know? And I think Congress should regulate the cost of genetic counseling and just make it open to everybody. Thoughts? I agree. You know, I'm a believer in that. I mean, that's- Lou? I, you know- Way to, way to punt that over to Lou, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I threw that grenade over there. No, it's not that. It's just that I am so big on genetic testing that that to me is is like I've always been big on that. Uh, I, I think You're so big on genetic testing that you asked your uncle about his genetic test instead of getting a genetic test. Of course. Okay. Of course, everybody. <laughs> <can make it. laughs> yeah. yeah. Since today's theme is death, uh, the the um, the uh, the thing that uh, gets to me is uh, there's a saying: uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Right. And that's that's me. Uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. I think everybody around me should get genetic testing just so I know what I'm carrying. But <laughs> that's a really piss poor way of managing your health. But Are I'm you coming for the perspective you'd rather not know? I'm coming from the perspective of being a total idiot. Of, I'm being a total. <laughs> idiot. There's really no excuse. Uh, it's a lot of things, it's like not wanting to go to the dentist. At least he, at least he owns it. Yeah, not wanting to go to the yeah, dentist. Yeah, that's true. He does own it. Yeah, I don't want to go to the doctor because they may tell me something's wrong. I mean, it, it's just idiotic the thought process. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We're not pretending that it's logical. Yeah, if I don't look, it won't happen. You know, if I don't open up that mail, <laughs> really, a water bill doesn't apply to me. It's high. Yeah. <laughs> water bill. I haven't opened it yet. There is no water bill. You know? <laughs> but seriously, uh, genetic testing is very important. Uh, you know, uh, my reservations are not on the information given by the test. My reservations are that if you don't do it in a proper uh, mode, that information then gets sold, it gets given out, uh, handed out. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You want that information to be private and protected. Yes, uh, for the most part. Uh, or you want to have some control as to how that information can be used. Are you worried about it from a health insurance, not a health insurance, a life insurance 
perspective like you don't because you more know, like you a health it. insurance i think i think okay. health insurance is the first one mm -hmm. and uh you know if you show a preponderance or predisposition to someone's sort of condition it's not a pre see this is the thing it's not a pre-existing condition they can't they can't not pay for something because you have a genetic predisposition that's not a disease. well no it's not that they don't pay it's it's what the it's the premiums and I'm going to talk a little bit from experience. I'm not going to name the names of the companies, mm -hmm. but I worked for a while for a big data firm that supplied insurance companies with all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they supply the insurance companies with those red light tickets that you're paying that are not really tickets and all, uh. sorts, all sorts of nonsense. It, you're, believe it or not, your credit report gets given to and your credit your late payments and all that and, wow. and all sorts of things what you're buying all that data gets, all that metadata that's terrible it's, you know they they look at how much how much liquor you're buying uh you know what you're picking up at the pharmacy oh my gosh all those things yeah all those loyalty programs and all that they're recording who you are and then they turn around and they sell that data to big insurance they don't sell it to big insurance directly. They sell it to companies that take that data and aggregate that data. And then that aggregated data is sold to the insurance company that's then doled out by zip code or doled out by individuals. Wow. So it's that's what data mining is? Yeah, yeah, in a, in a sense. It, I mean, it's a okay. lot more. It's like I'm going gold mining, not just looking for one piece. Wow. But uh, when you do data mining, absolutely. But are they doing this on an individual? Because you said zip code, so can't won't there be some skew? Like, I don't think people in my zip code, for example, are necessarily buying the kinds of things that I'm buying. Well, you know, and I don't. Drink. You've, you've upset the data in your zip code. <laughs> skew. You know, I'll, I'll tell you where data gets, and and we all know this car theft. Okay. If right. your zip code data has more car theft than another zip code data, your insurance. Oh is yes, that's right. Up. It doesn't, you know, the fact that you're sitting out there with a gun and a, and a spotlight all night, it, it, they doesn't do not, change the fact that doesn't change the fact that you're going to pay more, and that's just one small sliver of how those rates they come up with those rates. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, where you live. Um, it has a, has Do you a have a garage? Do you not have a garage? Those things, but it's not know. individual data. It's it's data by, by the area. It's data by the area. Then they take the individual data and they come up with a specific profile just for you. Your credit report, all sorts of things. That, that so they are do. taking personal information. They do. They take that personal information and they use it and... What, what they do is they they go to these companies so a pharmacy and i'm not going to name pharmacies because some do some don't a pharmacy may sell their me metadata to a call it a data crunching center mm -hmm. that data crunching center is then hired by the insurance company to give them as much data as they can on individuals on zip codes on populations then that data, then they have all that data. Then that's used in a backwards retro retrograde to create your rate. Oh, wow. So if I did one of those tests and let's say, you know, look, uh, 
the 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 two big ones I'll name them. Uh, Google is twenty four. One is uh, one is I think owned by AARP or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, where Ancestry dot com. Okay, Ancestry. Uh, the twenty three and Me. Yeah, there's twenty three and Me and and, and Ancestry dot com. Mm-hmm. You know, not only do you pay them, but they sell that data. Right. Ooh. Which is why I don't do that stuff because yeah. I don't want them taking my information. That data so now that data works its way around, and you know if your health insurance company picks up on that data and they see you have certain genetic traits, remember you're giving them all your data. Mm-hmm. They're only giving you back twenty four things, mm-hmm. but you, they've got seven hundred. They run the whole thing that you could yeah, pay, you, you pay more for, but exactly they they've got don't. your entire g- genome. Uh-huh. So there, once they have that, they can take that genome, and yeah, you know, they're not they're not really selling. There the is a company though that doesn't sell your your data. There I is forgot one. the name yeah. of it, but yeah, there mm-hmm. is one, and that's a selling point. Mm-hmm. But you know, how much do you trust them? But you know, they're not selling data that my mommy was from Romania or some you know some crazy thing like that yeah. that you that you want. Yeah, they they're selling they're selling also to other stuff that's underlying data. Right. about you right and then they also give population data and and things of that nature because population data is just as important or more important to the insurance company than just individual data mm. so they'll they could say that you know african americans that are plus 20 pounds overweight and have this certain genome type are three times more disposed to cancer mm. and all of a sudden those people's rates go up Mm. and you know is it fair or is it not is it okay or is it not okay that's a whole other discussion is it a moral thing or not a moral thing so if your relatives um you didn't do like the genetic testing you know the like the dna thing but all your relatives did well you kind of (laughs) you kind of gave them all your information is that what you're saying pretty much that's how they caught some criminals yes that's right that's how they got the golden state killer yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, yeah, the and the Idaho guy or whatever. Yeah, I think that's. Oh yeah, that guy too. Yeah. Yeah, the Idaho guy that uh, killed the four the four students, uh, uh-huh. through through some DNA test that his father did or something like that. So you know they 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 more and more they're using that data to catch you know go into cold cases and stuff like that, um and and see what that data really is. All right. Moving on, better options for assessing and reducing breast cancer risk. Um, Authors of a literature review on obesity and breast cancer, speaking of breast cancer risk, published uh, in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, expressed support. Authors of a literature review on obesity and breast cancer risk published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism expressed support for shifting how breast cancer risk is assessed and managed from weight-based strategies to a wider focus on body composition. They should also include genetic testing, but that's another matter. In particular, (laughs) the paper recommends that clinicians incorporate markers of metabolic health and body composition measures for a more comprehensive window into individual risk levels. While obesity and weight gain are associated with an increased risk of postmenopausal breast cancer, tools like body mass index do not fully capture breast cancer risk. Review co-author Neil Iyengar, MD, is an associate attending physician and researcher with the Evelyn H. Lauder Breast Center at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. He recently discussed the review and its recommendations with the reading room. 
According to Iyengar, the most striking conclusion is that there are folks with me metabolic dysregulation who may have a higher cancer risk, but who may not be recognized by current clinical guidelines. We've identified some tools to help assess whether folks are at risk of not only just obesity-related cancers, but metabolic-related cancers that may occur in people who are not obese, but who still have some degree of metabolic dysregulation. Well, according to John Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins Medicine, met metabolic dysregulation signs include having at least three of these signs. Too much fat at the waistline, meaning uh, over 40 inches for men or over 35 inches for women. High blood pressure, meaning a reading of 130 over 85 millimeters per Hg uh, mercury or higher, or being on medication to treat high blood pressure. High triglyceride levels, which means a reading of 150 milligrams per deciliter or higher. Low HDL cholesterol or good cholesterol defined as a reading of less than 40 milligrams per deciliter for men or less than 50 milligrams per deciliter for women. And high fasting glucose or blood sugar, which is a reading of 100 milligrams per deciliter or higher or being on medication to treat high blood sugar. Now, I know we, that I've talked about this before, and I'm going to go back to it again. We have to stop with this idea that it's okay to be overweight or obese. No one should be ashamed or, you know, be need to feel ashamed of being a big person, but let's stop kidding ourselves. It's not healthy, period. The science points directly to the risk factors involved with carrying extra belly weight. This is not the same, obviously, for pear-shaped people where your weight is distributed than your hips and you have, it's, you, you know, the whole waist-to-hip ratio where right. naturally right. small waist and a naturally bigger um, hips and thighs. When the fat distribution is that way, that's actually um, more healthy than the apple shape where you have uh, a big middle and smaller, you know, hips and thighs, okay? Um, but, you know... People should really, apple-shaped people in particular, really need to consider a lifestyle change and stop being stubborn and defiant about this because this is like, these are serious consequences. And there's no surgery. There's no Brazilian butt lift. There's no- I was going to say, we know that the Brazilian right. butt lift is right. just, uh, right. that's you not going to make you healthier. Yeah, you can move it from one place to the other. It doesn't change your disposition. You still are high risk. Okay, because that's not naturally how you are. Um, in any event, um, this is encouraging, and I hope you know it makes its way to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, so they can make like real changes and actually prevent more cancers. Like actually prevent, not just like talk about preventing cancers. Like really prevent. And I think there should also be some genetic counseling. But again, we'll see what happens with that. Thoughts, people. I'm just trying to figure well, you out. You know, I'm a fan. Okay, Jackie, you have to say more than you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm a fan about genetic counseling. That would be great if they included all that. And um what about the metabolic dysregulation? Listen, we're not we're not here to shame people for their body weight, which no, is right. something you were saying. Right. Uh it's not about cosmetic, it's about, you know. The real risks involved. Yeah, the and real stuff that even if you if, if you can lose 10 pounds, if you can make some dietary changes that reduce 10 pounds or five pounds, you're better off. 
you know, you really head off a lot of diseases. You you really take the edge off. I'm still trying to figure out from pear shaped or apple shaped. <laughs> But, but yeah, you, you know, like how, how big of a waist, like, like now I'm worried about well, my waist. Dude, 40, 40, 35 40 inches, for right? men. 35 inches for women, 40 inches for men. Well, Does 38 you? or 39. I mean, what, what does that do for me? I mean, well, I mean, it's I, not well, if you pinch an inch, can you like, remember they used to say pinch an inch where you like reached over to your, like, like how much belly fat can you grab? How many inches did you pinch? Hardly any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What happens when you're in the I'm studio? I'm pinching a few. <laughs> Everybody can pinch a few. You know, I mean, you have to yeah. be really, really, really super skinny and like maybe like a bodybuilder to not pinch inches. Because, you know, having having a body fat is not a bad thing. It's good for your, right. Bones. It's good for, you know, Look, a lot of these weightlifter women, they they don't have periods and stuff because they don't have enough body fat. Right. And you do need certain body fat to like coat your organs. I mean, you need a certain right. amount. Exactly. Right. So having body fat, so everyone should be able to pinch some inches. But, you know, pinching, I, I don't know if pinching in inches is, is enough. I remember that whole pinching inches thing. But the point is, is like- It's very 80s and 90s of last century. <laughs> What is that special K? That special K commercial. That you special, special K, K commercial. Special K. That's what it was. <laughs> I know we're dating ourselves, but any of it, that's okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I where I stand on it. It's a, it that's great, and there needs to be more if we're really serious about um, preventing cancer. I mean, if we want to take it like really further, then we should really start dipping into our food supply and how our food is manufactured but that's just such a long slog and a long fight um really at the end of the day it's up to the medical community to really open up the the channels so that more people can be aware all right so on to this week's topic time toxicity of medical care first of all have you ever heard that term before no what is that so you've heard of financial toxicity, right? Where the medical care just costs so much money, you go broke. I remember that was oh. at a fellowship years ago, and this woman was talking about how her husband had cancer, and they oh. caught it in time. And um, yeah, I know, amazing, right? And she's like, you know, "We're completely broke. We're completely penniless, but he's alive, and it was totally worth it." And I was just like, "Wow, that's kind of mind blowing." So you understand the concept of financial toxicity where yes. you could go broke from medical care, which that's not a good thing, obviously. Time toxicity is, well, it was what I described to you. When I heard the term, it just clicked for me. I was like, oh my God, that's what it is. It's time toxic. It's all the, the appointment. It's all the labs. It's, you got to see this. Uh, you got to follow. As if doctor. you don't have other things to do, as if going to the right. doctor is your full-time job. It exactly it becomes a whole other job that people just don't have the 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 time or the luxury to do. I mean, some people do and they and they can do it and God bless them. But most people, if you're working a regular nine to five or eight to four or ten, or they have family to take care of. I mean, they have lives to pick up by you know by three o'clock and you've got to drop them off in the morning. People generally don't have this kind of time. But this is what goes into this is what's baked into the cake of of. For example, cancer care, if you have any disease that you, you know, 
there's no short way of doing this. It's to the point now that, you know, I'll, I refuse to go into a, a medical office because I've got to get there. I've got to find parking. And, you know, parking in New York is not easy because they're so anti And it's not cheap. And it's not cheap. Exactly. And you better hope you're out of there before you're, you, well, you better hope you, if you don't find a parking garage that's gouging you um, for the time you're there you and you get street parking, you better hope it's at least two hours and you better hope you get out of your appointment within that two hour window. Otherwise you're going to get a ticket. So, um, and then you get to the appointment, then you've got to fill out the papers and then you've got to wait because, Hey, the doctor's on their job already and their, their, their shift begins at this time and ends at that time. But if, you know, if somebody's schedule gets off and the whole day gets, I literally had to leave an appointment one time because they just took so long. I was like, look, I have to leave. My appointment was at one. It's one I'm not going to sit here. Cause they're like, oh, it's going to be you know, a little bit longer. No, no, no. That's not acceptable. I said, I'm going to need my, I'm going to need my copay back and we're going to have to do this some other time. And they were like, oh, you know, we'll try to get you right. And I said, no, no, no. I need to leave right now. My appointment was at one. I've been here since 1240 or 1235 or something like I was there early. My appointment was at one and they still hadn't seen me at 1:30. I was not going to give another hour to that. So I was like, I'm going to need you guys to do something about my copay and I'm going to leave and you guys can call me later and reschedule. But I, I, and this is what happens to a lot of people. You know, you, you sit. Oh there, yeah. I certainly um, spent a lot of time waiting for appointments where it's an additional two the, hours. Yeah. The commute and the wait to see the provider. Yeah, and the it's the whole day. It's your whole day or your whole afternoon. Exactly. And that's, in essence, that's time toxicity of medical care. Oh, man. Yeah. And it came up a few days, well, a couple of weeks ago when I was having lunch with someone who was pitching me a potential guest. And then she talked about the concept. And, um, you know, it's not as destructive long-term as financial toxicity, but it's a major deterrent to health equality. And it does have financial repercussions of which some I just described, you know, like the parking and all sure. that. Or you had to take off work and how many, exactly. how many days you have personal days? You don't, exactly. you know, exactly. If you're, if you're, if you're getting radiation for breast uh, or some type of many types of cancer, you're going to have 10 to 20 visits. Right. And these visits, That's right. five days apart. And, you know, it's not like, you know, you have to go to a certain center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to get this done. It's not a quick process. And if there's any glitch in the scheduling, uh, if you start getting, and toxicity also means that, you know, after five of them, do you start losing your will to follow up? Do yes. you start thinking like, oh, wow. One, what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, you, and then you start going off schedule. And then all, or your sudden, boss says, look, you've been taking too much time off. And if you are out again or if you're late again, I'm going to fire you. Or there's a big, and you have to make or, that, or, or you can't afford the sitter and you had to cancel, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Like I was talking with um, the breast surgeon because I, did I tell you I decided to do the prophylactic, um, the, the mammogram because it's just the whole, that that whole, all of 2022 where I went through that entire thing, just really yes. just so much out of me. I'm just like, you know what? I went off this train. Um, I am just going to do the mammogram. I'm sorry, mammogram, never. Uh, I'm going to do the um, the prophylactic mastectomy and just keep it moving. And okay. I was talking to her because um, I 
Oh, and don't forget if you have a biopsy, there's downtime for that too, because you've got to recover from that. You yeah. Bounce back into your schedule, depending on how intense the, the biopsy, the last biopsy I had was pretty intense. Um, you know, and so we were talking about when I should do the procedure and I was stressing a little because I'm like, God, you know, I, I know when my schedule is going to free up a little, when I'm going to have time to be able to, to take off, to do all of this, well, excuse me. And the time she wanted, um, me to do it, it just was not convenient to my schedule. And so we had to have that talk. I was like, look, realistically, I can't do this until X time. I, it, it's just not going to happen. And she was cool about it. She understood that, you know, I had time constraints and stuff like that. Like I can't, I just can't be down. Cause you know, when you're, when you're self-employed, you know, there is no, oh, I'm going to take some time off from work and I'm going to use my, I forgot what that kind of time, you know, that time that you use, you know, sick time, personal time or sick time, not personal yeah. time. It's another term disability. Oh, I'm just going to okay. get some disability and take some time off and I'll be paid, you know, while I'm, no, you don't have that when you're self-employed. If you don't work, you don't make money and clients are relying on you and the, the whole machine, uh, still, especially when you're a small enterprise, you know, the whole machine rests on you. And if you can't work, your, your, your enterprise stumbles and you, you know, you can't stay competitive. It's just a whole thing. So this whole idea of financial toxicity is something that I really want people to think about. What do you think, Jackie? Well, I was thinking about um, all the times when it's been like, oh, we're just going to have to reschedule. And here you are in the middle of, you know, waiting for your appointment and things happen. And, um, Wait and a now minute. I got to pay a center. You showed up and they, they rescheduled. That's happened before. Uh, it happened. One time it happened with the doctor. It was extremely reliable, but it turns out there was an emergency at the hospital. It was probably a birth. So that in all the years, that only happened once at that office. But plenty of other times I've been at appointments where there's a delay and sometimes we wait around for an hour or two extra. That happens, you know, especially for specialists. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, you you're not going to get another appointment with them for a very long time. I mean, um, and here you are, you've taken your time out of the day, it cost you money. Um, maybe you had to pay a sitter, let's say. Yeah. I mean, they don't have the same concept of time as uh, as you do. Right, just... because they're on their clock. Right. And they're not thinking about, yeah, so this is a problem. So I'm going to be talking to this doctor. Her name is Dr. Sony. And she's going to be talking about that concept. And I'm curious, you know, what- really It would be really helpful if it came from like the medical people because you you feel like sometimes they've never thought about that. Like they have no idea. Uh, sometimes you feel that way with doctor's offices. Like they just think that you have nothing else to do, that you have no other life <laughs> than just coming to their appointment. Uh, yeah, because I think what they think, especially in the cancer circles, I'm sorry, I just popped another piece of chocolate in my mouth. I'm, I know this is so rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think what they think is, well, this is important. This is your number one priority. And this is the most important thing. Right. And you have to make this a priority. And it's like, okay, it is important to me, but guess what? I also have to pay my rent. I also have to pick up my kid from school. I also have to make sure that my car doesn't get towed. Yeah, like 
there's a ton of things that there's go- a ton of other things that don't think this is your you know your priority right. right right and they just they just don't get it and i just wonder how can they start getting it a lot of this too i think is um over scheduling where they make an appointment for you for one o'clock but they're worried that you may not show up. So they book a person at 115 just in case. And then you both show up. And so now what? Your 1245 came, your one o'clock came, your 115 came, you know, instead of staggering them out and making sure that everyone shows up. And that's- I'd be really question. curious to know what the doctor says about that. Cause I'm sure- I don't think the doctor has any control of that. I think that that's- but That's not coming from the insurance company or the office manager. No, like- I think that's coming. That's that's completely the office manager. And then the doctor looks at their schedule and they're like, oh my God, this looks, this doesn't look, but what can they do? They're not the scheduler. You know, if you're in a private practice, it's a little different. You can be like, no, 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 no. You've got to unload this. Well, who's in a private practice anymore? Well, that's the thing when you're, when you're getting <laughs> care for cancer, you know, a right. lot of the times it's, it's the hospitals and the hospitals right. make the schedules and the doctor is just an employee, just trying to do the best they can. However, and that said, there needs to be something done about the fact that this just takes a ridiculous amount of time and excludes a lot of people because of the fact that it takes so much time because people are, you know, for some people, Getting sick is an abstract concept because it's like, I don't feel pain. I feel fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like you may have cancer, but you may not be in pain cancer. You may just have the cancer and you put right. it off, put it off, put it off because it's like, well, I don't have time to do this. I've got to work. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to um, be late for picking up my kids or this is my weekend for my kids. I don't want my my crazy ex to give me a hard time because I can't make it because I've got a, a, a doctor's appointment. There's just so many factors that they just don't. Do you think that that maybe these these um, medical centers would benefit from like time sensitivity training or something? I would think so. I thought that that was a certain aspect. Isn't that part of the aspect of um, like, um, aren't there social workers where they sometimes bring that in, you know, a hospital social worker that specializes that? No, I don't think so. I think it's really more for the emotional aspect or maybe to help you fill out papers. Uh. Because sometimes they'll say something like, oh, maybe you, because uh, imagine all the for, people for, who take or the for bus. Yeah, right. For, for, right. So if you have those kinds of like tangible needs, they'll help you with that. I think it also matters. Like, let's say you have cancer. I think it matters what kind of cancer you have too, because I think there's money behind, like, I think if you have certain types of breast cancer, there's more money behind, let's say, breast cancer. Don't you think? Than oh, say. Absolutely than say like but there's a lot more drugs available yeah. but i think there's also more infrastructure of like um care to me thought about that yeah care in general yes yes that's true i think that the, the that hospitals and medical centers could benefit from some sort of um time time sensitivity training otherwise people are just going to continue to be they have no idea right they'll be ignorant about it well, they'll continue to lose people to, to cancer. Ah. There are people who are not going to be able to comply. And it's not because they don't want to comply. It's they simply can't comply. You know, it just is, doesn't work with their life. And that's not to say that treatment is not a priority to them. They want to live just as much as the person who works from home and has the time and the resources to do all of this. 
It's just that their life just is not designed that way. So I think that's something that 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 medical um, providers and and um, the people that make the appointments, all these people, you know, the centers themselves really need to take into consideration if they're going to address the disparity involved in care for, you know, diseases like cancer, for example, since we're sticking with the cancer. It's, it's, it, if you really think about it, that's the great divider. I mean, there's the financial aspect of it and that's, that's toxic in itself. But then you have this other toxicity, you know, you have to have time and you have to have money. And both of those things, if you have neither of them, you're as good as dead. I mean, just think about that. Let that matter. That's awful. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. I'd be. I'm really curious to know what your uh, what your interview is going to provide. I'm really curious to know what what she has to say. Your expert. Anyway, go to urbanhealthweekly.com for links to to these articles. And remember, you only have one life and one body, so you've got to do your best to make it count. So your years are full of life and full of health. Information equals transformation. So small steps each day, and you'll see a difference. I'm sure of it. All right, that's all the time we have. Um, Lou had to bow out early because he had some. Ah. And, uh, you know, I will see you next week, my darling. All right, sounds good. All I'll right. talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.